Welcome to another episode of It's a Patch Life podcast. I am your host, Celeste, and I am really excited to have you here with me today, Friday, May 27th, 2022. The guest today is David Harmon. Last week, I had Kat Harmon on, and originally I had planned on sharing my conversation with David sometime in the middle of June. But after doing all the editing and going through everything with Kat's episode last week, I knew that I needed to move his to today because there's just something really beautiful about sharing first Kat and then David's story back to back. David is Kat's husband and partner and co-founder of Soul. Harmony and Soul Harmony Fest. And you guys, I'm going to have both of them on here at some point in the near future. They just really have an amazing chemistry and so much to share. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and that you're as excited about the upcoming conversation that I will have with both of them back on here together. That being said, let's get to it. Hey, what's up, Celeste? What's up, David? <laughs> How are you doing this? I guess it's <laughs> afternoon now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's there now. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Can you see me and hear me okay? I can. I can. Perfect. I can. So, David, 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 welcome to It's a Packed Life podcast. I'm really excited to have you on here. I know that I have told you this. I'm, I get I get so excited about the conversations that we have. I take a deep breath, David. I got nervous. Mm-hmm. Part of why I'm nervous about this conversation is because I think the conversations that you and I have had are so important around gender roles in society mm. and our culture and the way that we look at that and the way we define it. The few conversations that we have had have been very deep and insightful. And yeah, they've always always led to like more questions and like just a, a good curiosity of about gender roles and societal pressures and uh, social programming and stuff like that. So it's wonderful to look at those things and kind of turn them upside down and burn it all to the ground and, you know, look at what's left. So tell me how you have done that in your life. I, I just, I think that yours and Kat's story is so fascinating. I don't really know where to start, but we, I guess we definitely started on what you would call a spiritual journey or a more spiritual path, a more spiritual way of living. I think it was like, it was literally right before the COVID pandemic. It was like 2020, I think. And yeah, so we had planned already to go and do a guided, shamanic guided uh, psilocybin journey. Who is trained in that area, uh, facilitated that journey for us. That was really the eye-opener and the beginning to a, a new way of living for us. I can't really speak about Kat's journey too much. Her whole world was cracked wide open. And I was sitting there next to her, very much of a, uh, a parent role with her. So our, our guide, our shaman, uh, was a female. And she was the only other one in the room. And so when, when this all kind of came to a head, it was as if I was taking on this um, paternal or father figure role for Kat in this space that she was in. It had to be very gentle, it had to be very nurturing. It was a paternal role. I felt like I was playing, but I was playing it with a lot of maternal and a lot of divine feminine energy coming through me. 
and I definitely 100% believe that the, our shaman who she, she helped facilitate that in a beautiful way. She was also a maternal role as well. So we had the maternal and the paternal coming together to, to help aid Kat in her journey. But there's a lot of people who know about what psilocybin, like the chemistry that it does like in our, in our minds. But what I do know is that it lowers the activity in the, I believe it's the amygdala, which is the fear center in our brain. So it, it allows you to go deeper and to look at traumas and, and wounds, whether they're of this life or their childhood or their ancestral or past life traumas, whatever comes up for you in your journey, the fear center, uh, the activity in the fear center of your brain is lowered. So it allows you to approach these traumas without the fear that we normally do. And that allows you to go really deep in your healing. So when Kat hit this peak of her journey, I 100%, like it wasn't even a second thought. I just, I jumped right into this nurturing paternal role for her throughout the rest of the evening. That really opened up my eyes and, and helped me believe that I can play a different role in, in our relationship. And that's how it started. Right after after that journey, uh, I was speaking with uh, our shaman. She explained all this to me, like the role that I took on that kind of led me down this path. There was times when there was anger for being programmed the way that I had been programmed, anger at my parents and angry with um, like public school system and um, um, at large. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just all, all these, all these big society, like all these entities in our society that tell us we have to be a certain way. Men are trained at a young age to not express emotion. The only emotions that are safe and allowed are uh, usually anger. Joy is fine too, um, but anger is like, that's the one that we are shown the most. Way as long as it's temperate, right? Yeah, exactly. The ones who, who, who take it to the extreme, you know, unfortunately end up in, in places like in hospitals and prisons and stuff like that. Wounded masculine energy from what I, I've heard that it's called is a very toxic energy. It can really permeate and control everybody's life that is in, that touches it really. So that I believe the, the antidote for toxic masculine energy is a divine feminine energy. It just, it's like the exact opposite, but it's exactly what I feel like was needed for me to start to drop and, and reprogram these toxic male programs that I have had running through me. And messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was reading an article today, preparing for this conversation, and it was talking about what toxic masculinity is in our culture and society and kind of how we got there and how we get away from it. The author's a man. He brought up a point and I was like, if a woman had written this article, there are many men who would not react or respond in a positive way. But since it was a man calling out the toxic masculinity, it will touch men in a different way because they, he was talking about how we hear this phrase toxic masculinity and immediately a bunch of people start right. Oh, you're anti-male. 
or because you're, you're saying masculinity is toxic, blah, blah, blah. And I loved that he, he said, we have to stop this conversation and recognize how ridiculous that is. Because if we're talking about toxic water or toxic air, we're talking about a specific situation in the environment that's unhealthy. We're not saying all air is toxic or all air, water is toxic. I wanted to bring that up into this so that as these phrases come up, hopefully it doesn't trigger anyone to... Well, okay. Let me rephrase that. I don't care if it triggers you because if it triggers you, (laughs) that means you're ready to learn something, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I want to point out that when we're talking about toxic masculinity, we're not talking about all masculinity or all behaviors and emotions and things that are considered to be masculine. We're talking about the ones that are unhealthy and that are disrupting our ability as humans to be fully who we're capable of being. Um, many times recently that men really are going to need to hear this conversation or these points from another man. It almost has to be like a very, a very masculine man. I believe that men need role models in their life. Most men, not all men, but, but most men. Everybody needs a, needs role models and representation and things in their lives. So I'm, I'm going to say, we don't have to say most, I think all, I think all of us need role models. Sorry. No, no, no worries. You need people to show you the way, especially if it's uncommon ground that you're walking. If it's a new path that you're trying to cut for your life, it really helps if you can grasp on to somebody else who has already walked that path. Well, and we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. It takes trust, trusting in your intuition that the person who you are looking up to for these answers and for this guidance is, again, a trustworthy, honest person. And, um, you know, that's that's different with everybody. Uh, I've been fortunate enough where I can look back now and I can say that, yes, I've had some very strong male role models in my life who I'm fortunate enough to be friends with. Uh, and they range through all ages, even before my father passed away, uh, which was uh, almost 11 years ago, he had undergone a big change in his life. Now, the catalyst for him was that he uh, he had cancer. He had to go through a very draining, traumatic process to rid his body of this cancer. And in doing so, he had a very strong woman at his side. And, and my stepmom just exuded enough strength for, for both of them. And uh, he was able to kind of let go of a lot of these, these programs that he had been brought up with about having to be the strong one and having to put on a good face and not show emotions and, and pain and fear and this and that. And he was really able to drop that. And towards the end of his cancer treatment, when he was heading towards remission, he had completely changed. I mean, he was always a nice guy, but this guy was full of joy and he was super nurturing, just a, uh, a pleasure to be around. I, I hear stories about him from people who knew him before and after, and they are just, they can't say enough good things about him. Even though he's gone now, um, yeah. he's still a huge role model for me. So That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So you and Kat really shook up your life a couple of years ago. You guys kind of rewrote what success was going to look like for the two of you financially with, you know, family support, the roles that mother and father take. You have, you have a child, um, an amazing, beautiful soul. Thank you. You've adapted and changed those roles a lot in the last couple of years from what I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It has been 
It's been, it's been fun. It's been, it's been taxing and it's been trying and it's just been fun. And there's been growth around every single corner. I would say, yeah, Kat, after her journey, she was kind of opened up, right? Like I say, it cracked her open. And one of the things that she was called to do was to create a platform for people to be introduced to different types of, of healthy lifestyle. Like we call healthy, but like healthy doesn't just mean the food you put in your body and the exercise that you do healthy is it's, it's 99% mental and like 1% physical. That's how I believe she set out on a path to create a, a container where people who are kind of at an end there, they they've met their end to living this life the way that they've always been shown and told how to live it. And they know, and they believe that there is something better for them. It might not be easier in the beginning, but eventually it becomes more of a love, passion, and joy driven lifestyle than a fear, lack programmed uh, lifestyle. Right. So that is how soul harmony came to be. She wanted to create, a, a, again, like a, a large platform for people to come and interact with each other in a, in, a, in a safe environment. And in order for her to do that, she had to dive 100% into creating what is now Soul Harmony Fest, uh, which was uh, last year was our first one. And it was, I, I think it was a wild success. The intention that was set for that festival was held throughout the whole planning uh, and building process. It was held throughout the entire festival and, and it even has lingered about since the festival. We hear so many stories of people's lives being changed, uh, you know, in those three days on that, that hemp farm in Salisbury. She had to 100% commit herself to it. And that commitment to this meant to leaving behind these, I want to say programs again, but leaving behind these programs that she had been brought up her whole life to bring, which was like, you have to, you know, work a job and make money. You have to spend this much time and, you know, with your child in order to be a good parent and, and you know, spend, you know, good quality time with your partner to be a good partner. And, and those things, she didn't know how to balance that. I made the decision in um, August of 2021 to leave my my full-time job, a good paying job with good benefits, to leave that job and to step in the role of basically like a, like a full-time nurturer. I became what some people might call a house dad. I did it because I didn't want Delaney to become neglected because I just, I just knew that and Kat just couldn't do it all. It wasn't feasible for her to put 100% of herself into four or five, six different aspects of her life. I decided to take on the nurturer role to be at home for Delaney, to add loving, nurturing support for Kat and to help her in any other way possible. I'm pretty handy when it comes to building stuff and solving problems. And I've been told I'm a pretty decent writer as well. So when it came to doing things for the festival, Kat didn't know how to do or, or didn't have time to commit to it. I was able to step into a role and, and do that you know, with her and co-create what we say, we say co-create together. So that was definitely a big turning point in, in our relationship. You know, you could say the roles were reversed from my standpoint. I was no longer going to work nine to fiving it in order to support our family. You know, if it's, if it was nine to five at work, it was 
7 a.m. to 10 p.m. at home. You know, that, that was, those were my hours. Those were my work hours. And, and the work I was doing was beginning to teach Delaney, you know, some school and, you know, allow her creative outlet, encourage her to play and be 100% her authentic self at all times. And then also nurturing Kat along her path to create Soul Harmony Fest. So I went from the the masculine role into more of a, a feminine role. Traditionally masculine and traditionally feminine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it was, uh, it was, I was really excited to take it on, but of course I had no idea exactly <laughs> what was going to entail in this, in this new role that I was, that I was bringing on. And, and that, that brought up challenges and that brings up, you get triggered and you get confused. I got confused a lot. And for me, in order to fully appreciate something, I felt like I had to understand it. And now here we are almost a year later from that decision. And I, I don't believe that I have to understand everything in order to appreciate it. You know, I guess I kind of learned how to kind of let go, go with the flow, trust Kat 100%, even though her process is completely different from mine. I trust her 100%. I know that she's going to ask me to help her in the areas that she needs help. Anytime we go through like a big adjustment in life, there is a identity crisis. I think that happens inside of us as we reinterpret how we react and respond in the new situation. I want to talk about this with you because women are traditionally trained to talk to other women about these issues around parenting and things. In my experience, there isn't a lot of space for men to talk with other men around these topics, you know, and especially, I mean, how many states, other stay-at-home dads do you know and hang out with? None. (laughs) None. Yeah. So who do you talk to, David? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Well, I mean, when it it comes to like parenting styles, like I talk to, I talk to women, I talk to who's, who's around me. And um, it's usually, it's usually women or, or people who have taken on a more maternal role. And so it's usually women and those who identify as women. Yeah. My, one of my best, very best friends from high school, her husband is a stay at home parent. That was their original goal. And they've been married since 1996. They've got um, five kids and he's the, the stay at home dad. And that's one of the things that he has shared and talked about is how, even though it's women in those spaces, there's times where it gets it feels really lonely. Have you encountered that for yourself or has that not been your experience at all? Well, my experience, I guess so far, first off, a little bit of information about me. My life path number is a five and that means that I am an experiencer. And so I don't generally attach to one experience for my entire life. I try different things. I bounce from this to that and this to that. So I've never really had or stuck to a true singular identity for myself. One, because before becoming, you know, 38 year old male, I'd never really explored what my identity was. I didn't really have that awareness. I wasn't conscious to the fact that, you know, I didn't know to question who I was. I just thought everything was just kind of planned out for me, right? Just follow the steps, follow the plan and everything will be okay. But it it wasn't okay. There was a lot of of, uh, disconnect and a lot of sadness 
throughout my life. Honestly, stepping into this this new role as a nurturer has really helped me to learn how to like, go with the flow. I've been kind of thrown into that gentle river and sometimes it's a roaring river and being at home with Kat is a super strong empath who knows what I'm feeling before I feel it. And Delaney is a super, you know, emotional and beautiful young girl who challenges me at times to to be patient and to just listen as males, as masculine energy wants to do. We want to fix things. That's our first reaction to fix things. And when we can't fix it, we get frustrated and we get upset. And then we usually, I used to press or push that, that frustration and that upset energy onto the people who were causing me to be frustrated. Learning how to... Uh, Again, just like to go with the flow, take some some time, be patient with yourself, be patient with those around you. Don't take things so personal because I mean, a four-year-old little girl is not attacking me. You know, <laughs> she's not, she just doesn't understand sometimes why she feels big as big feeling. as she feels. So the people who I talk to about that stuff, honestly, are, are other women. Uh, I get to talk to you every once in a while. Uh, I talk to uh, Dana, you know, I'm around her a good bit at school there and, and we have, you know, short conversations. I think it's beautiful that we have these non-traditional spaces. I have personally sought out and cultivated those kind of spaces into my life because for me to have this intentional, authentic life, I recognized that I wanted to completely shake up what society and things have determined are these traditional roles or these things. And it's, it's kind of funny because my husband, Corey and I, um, he was in the air force. And when we got married prior to us getting married, my plan was never to be a stay at home parent. He is much more nurturing than I am, which is people are like military really, but he is, he's much more nurturing than I am, but he was eight years into his career. It was, you know, he was established in it. And when we sat down and talked about what we felt was going to be best for our family, once we had Rory and Rory has very big emotions and big feelings. And, you know, we made the decision for me to be a stay at home parent. And even though from the outside, that looks very traditional, our decision was intentional to do it, not because of tradition, but because it was what was right and best for our family. Mm -hmm. And so as I've gone through life, I've looked for and cultivated these spaces where I'm drawn to people like you and Kat and the other families that are in our homeschool co-op that don't buy into some line of the way life is supposed to be simply because that's how it's been. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. I love hearing about your story. So what, what are the things that, especially over the last year, but throughout your life that you feel are the ways that you have got, cause you were talking about how there was just kind of this prescribed plan and you just kind of went with it. And I feel like that that's so much of what we get caught up with in life in general. And then there comes a moment when there's an awareness that happens. And then how do you move from that into the intentional space? You know, what are some of the things that you do to help you live in that intentional space? Because I think that you do that so beautifully. Mm. And with just this level of authenticity that I just, I really admire and I get excited about when I talk to you about this, because I always walk away from the conversation, like, oh, I've got so much to think about and process. So 
for you, what does that intentional living look like? Are there things that you do or cultivate to ensure that you're doing that? Well, it, it was kind of all over the place and it still is a little bit like I have some like rituals, some habits that I've formed that help me. I, I know that I need my alone time. I need quiet time. So I, I intentionally get up early in the morning before Kat and before Delaney wake up. I stretch and I move my body and I set intentions for the day. I, I have of some affirmations that I say. And I just take the time to breathe and to sit still in silence for a few minutes there in the morning. I don't always come out of that with a definite game plan for the next interaction that I have. I know that when I do come out of that, whatever the next interaction may be, whether it's with Kat or with Delaney or with a a phone call or whatever it might be, I have cultivated the ability to create space within those interactions. So creating space for me gives me the chance to respond versus react. And that right there has really made a huge difference for me in my life. When we get to choose how we want to respond, which is I want to be able to respond with love and compassion and empathy as often as I can, especially to these two women that I share a house with because they mean the world to me. I don't ever want to react, you know, just knee jerk react to anything really, unless, you know, you know, joy and excitement, that's great, you know, but there's oftentimes when we react from a place of fear or anxiety, I used to kick myself for doing that, you know, because I knew that that's not how I wanted to react. That's not who I wanted to be in that moment. If I ever do come across a time where I I catch myself reacting and it's a reaction that I wish I'd had a different reaction, believing that one, in that moment, I was supposed to have that reaction. Like whatever it is, I was supposed to react that way. And whoever I'm reacting to, it was supposed to hear that or feel that from me so that they can respond the way that they need to. And so we learn and we grow together. Secondly, coming back to the situation, giving yourself time, one, to forgive yourself and two, to believe that it couldn't have happened any other way. And then coming back to that situation and kind of reliving it with the mindset that you want to have, not the reaction mindset, but the response mindset. So going back and reliving those those things that are uncomfortable, putting yourself back in that uncomfortable space, but being there from an observer point of view instead of a interactor really helps to kind of rewrite and create those new neural pathways that I believe in your brain. The next time a situation like that comes into your awareness, you can respond, you can respond instead of react. That is so beautiful because it stops you from going into the shame spiral mm-hmm. instead of beating yourself up for those behaviors behaviors, giving yourself as a chance to step back without judgment and affirm, assess and move forward. That's so powerful. That's not easy to do. It's not. And trust me, I don't <laughs> do it all the time. I'm still a human, you know, like what? I have, you're human. <laughs> I have, I have very human reactions, but it's just that, you know, it's like they say, it's a practice. And if it's a practice that you believe will help you and help those around you, then it's worth sticking to. It really is. So uh, another thing that really helps to fill my tank so that I can be able to fill other people's tanks are meaningful conversations with like-minded people. I would, in the beginning of this, you know, the spiritual transition, I would find myself in these groups or at these events and I would be on the outside. 
I would stay outside because I didn't trust that what I had to say was worth anything. But then I'd find myself getting like, it was like the universe, like would put people in front of me who are super intense, you know, and they would just sit there and they would look you dead in the eye and talk to you and have a conversation. And my God, if you can, if you've ever been in that situation, you can just feel like the nerves and you can feel your body wanting to pull back away from these people. And then afterwards, those conversations, you're like, God almighty, that person was so intense. Like I was so uncomfortable. Why were you uncomfortable? You know, Kat would ask these questions to me too. She's really good at asking the questions that need to be asked. You know, why were you uncomfortable? I was like, well, this person was like in my personal space and they did not break eye contact with me for like five minutes. And it was just like super uncomfortable, but like, I loved it, you know, (laughs) being confronted with those situations, like really helped me become more comfortable in social situations. Situations. And I just, I really love the one-on-ones. I don't see myself speaking to or holding conversations with large groups of people. I love the one-on-ones. I guess I really like the, uh, the intimacy, the exchange, uh, the energetic vulnerability. Exchange. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So having this conversation with you right now, I can just feel it. It's going to like lift my energy and it's going to carry me throughout the day with like this beautiful, positive kind of floaty mindset. Yay. <laughs> I think I'm one of those intense people <laughs> that shows up in people's face. But it's, it's, it's I, I really, really am so fascinated and curious about the individual. The reason I'm doing this podcast in part is because I think that everyone has a story and it fascinates me. Like one of my core values for life is showing up with curiosity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So I just, I'm always intensely cu- like, who is this person? What makes them tick? What's their story? And what can I take away from this exchange? Because I know that every person I meet has the potential of being a piece of the magic that life is for me. And I do that by mm-hmm. showing up with that curiosity. When I first met you and Kat, I met her first, and then you showed up a little bit later at the park. And I sat and I watched the way the two of you were together. And Seriously, watching you and Kat together just always makes me smile because there is so much love in your relationship and in the exchanges that you have with each other. Thank you. Well, the the love, the love has always been there. You know, that has never been in question. I think trusting each other and, and respecting each other's process has been the areas that we have worked on the most. You know, we know that we have the foundation. We know that we have the love is there. That's not like for some people, like you have to ask yourself, like, do I really love this person? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I've been asking this, like, what does love look like for me? We see love portrayed in movies and in stories, but how often do we have real life examples of true love played out in front of us? It doesn't really happen that often. When you see like an 80 something year old couple holding hands and they've been married for, you know, 60 years, you want to feel that. Bottle it up, take it with you. Yeah, exactly. You want to know that the person who you've chosen to spend your life with is going to be that person that you're literally spending your life with and you're loving for your whole life. Um, So the love has always been there for us, but trusting each other, respecting each other's processes, feeling safe and being vulnerable. And I think you, you have to find a way to at different, and it comes in layers, right? It's always in layers, but to find a way to have that trust and faith in yourself so that you can show up with it in your partnership. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what Kat preaches is the the self-love. And that's something that I've been, I've been questioning, you know, lately, like what are the things about myself that I do love? So I'm trying to become more, I'm trying to understand myself more since starting this journey. I've looked to outward 
experiences in order for this stuff to make any difference at all. Like I have to start like integrating it and applying it and seeing if it really helps me or if it's just something else that I can just kind of say that I, I know a little bit about. Uh, try, it, try it on for a while and see if it fits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, not one thing is going to work for everybody. No. And for everybody, there's probably not one thing that they're going to stick to, you know, like you have to kind of gather these tools and create a toolbox and know when to use those tools. It's all a practice. Learning how to love yourself is probably the most honorable practice that we can all get into because you can't fully love or accept love from other people if you don't fully love and accept yourself. But that starts with questioning everything, curiosity. Like, why did I do that? Like, why do I think that? Why does that color, you know, make me upset? Why does that color make me happy? It's little things like that. Like if you just have a general curiosity about life, it's just, it makes a huge difference and it's beautiful. It's so fun. So what, what would you say would be, um, like I shared that curiosity is a big value of mine. Do you have uh, something that if I said, so David, what, what's a big value that you internalize and adapt into the way that you live your life? Mm, I guess something that I read or heard a long time ago that I continue to say to myself is I say, be sweet and keep moving forward. That's a way of life for me. Whatever shows up, if it's somebody who is triggering you, be sweet and keep moving forward. Learn from it. Move Moving forward is like a, a way of saying, you know, learn from it, appreciate the experience, integrate the lessons, and just keep moving forward with your life in the direction that you want it to go. So be sweet and keep moving forward is probably like a, a mantra that <laughs> I guess you, if it's a mantra or an affirmation, I don't know, but I say it in my head all the time and it just like immediately brings my energy down to like a cozy space. It's just kind of fluffy. <laughs> I, this is so fascinating to me because be sweet for me as a female is triggering. That phrase is triggering because mm. so much of my life was spent being told, smile, be sweet to people, be mm. and like, don't be so big. You don't have a right to your emotions. Just be gentle, just be sweet, which is not what you're saying. I, I was just sitting here just, wow, because I think for a man, going back to this whole masculinity and things, to have that internalized message with that word is completely different from the way that males have projected that phrase onto females. Mm. I, I just wanted. I'm sure I won't be the only woman who listens to that conversation and has an initial like reaction going, yeah. Oh, be sweet. What? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, that's wonderful. That's great. I'm, I'm thank you for saying that. Like I, I heard, I heard that affirmation from a woman during uh during another journey. And it just like, it was something that just rang true to me. Like, I think it speaks to my feminine energy, yeah. um, you know, cause I was never as a kid, I was never, I remember ever being told, you know, just be sweet, just be right. kind, you know, it's like, no, be, be tough. You know, don't show the emotion. Just, I mean, literally like Kat will tell you, because I, I was in the military too. I was in the army national guard. And even before that, I was kind of still like, robotic didn't show a lot of emotion because I that didn't... is the furthest word from how I would define you now I just wanted to say that <laughs> thank you I've, I've, I've worked on that <laughs> like even like down to like my facial expressions when I'm in a conversation with people Kat would like tell me like all the time like even when I'm sitting there listening intently to what she has to say and I'm feeling like compassion you know inside my body I would have just like this stone face and she would get triggered by that she wouldn't understand she didn't think that I was feeling the message that she was sending my way. So I've had to kind of work on that and being sweet and 
is one of those things that that helps me kind of soften. I love that. I love the whole thing around it, that it was triggering for me, that it's beautiful for you and that we're capable of having a conversation around that as a little girl growing up. And I think culturally, this is true across the board for most girls from the time that we're little, we're taught to read a room and to be in charge of making sure that there's a pleasant atmosphere for everyone. Mm -hmm. And Corey and I talk a lot about this where he had never considered how much training and conditioning has gone into this female experience around that because little boys are not taught and told that they're responsible for the emotions in the room. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We do not get that responsibility put on us at all. You know, be be big and be bold if we want to, you know, and like unapologetic. It, it takes it from being confident to being cocky. And I think that's the difference between toxic masculinity and like divine masculinity. Be confident in who you are. But as soon as you start being cocky and you start expecting people to treat you a certain way because of who you are, that's like a fine line to walk. And a lot of times people don't know how to respect others while still staying in that space for themselves. And it starts with respecting yourself and knowing who you are in order to, I don't want to say like demand that respect from other people, but that's a whole nother topic about like setting boundaries and stuff like that. You you know, and that, that's a whole other beautiful aspect to, to life and to this journey that we're on. Well, when but, you truly love yourself, you don't allow anyone to diminish your value or worth. Exactly. And that's exactly. like, that's the next layer, you know, like I feel like I've been moving into that space for a long time. Yeah. Learning how to set boundaries and blah, blah, blah. You can set boundaries and help cultivate your right to be treated respectfully before you fully love yourself. I'm moving into a space of more confidence in my own personal self-love. And as I do that, it's not even about, whoa, I don't deserve to be treated like that. It's I'm not holding space for that kind of treatment. And it's an interesting shift that I'm seeing happening in my life with that. I don't think either one's wrong. I think it's, they're both very necessary as we're moving through the journey. You know, that's something else that I've worked on too, is like, I, I think this comes down to expectations, expectations that you put on yourself you got to make sure that you can achieve those, you know, meeting yourself where you are with expectations, but then at the same time, not uh, allowing yourself to have expectations. Or if you are going to like kind of cultivate expectations, AKA setting boundaries for other people to, to how, how other people interact with you in that way, it, it has to be from a place of love and compassion for yourself and for those. If you're setting boundaries and expectations from a place of fear and lack, and like you're trying to hide something, maybe like you're trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not, then that's kind of where you step into that toxic energy. Well, I feel like that's the difference between a boundary and control, mm. you know, mm. because boundaries have mutual respect where control or hiding or, you know, like doing it as a way to like protect something negative versus as a protection for self. Absolutely. A lot of us, a lot of people are, are trying to control other people's reactions to us. And when we do that, we're not allowing other people to have authentic reactions because well, we're trying to control them. We're trying, we, we withhold information or we withhold yeah. who we are, how we're feeling and a means to control the outcome of the situation. Well, and, and with yeah. that too, like it, that, that is not coming <clears throat> from a place of self-love mm -mm. because when you are coming from a place of 
self-love, you recognize that other people's reactions have nothing to do with the way you're ever going to feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I really like to ask each of my guests is if there is a book would like to share with people or one that just has resonated with you in your life that you would want to share with the podcast listeners? I'm really bad about starting books and not finishing them. So I have like this whole library of spiritual books here. And I also really like to every once in a while touch on like psychology. Like I have like I have a copy of like the Bhagavad Gita. God, you know, I've only read maybe a hundred pages into that. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really resonate with me. You know, (laughs) I did like a super um, traditional yoga teacher training last year down in Florida. A lot of the teachings, you know, came from excerpts from the Bhagavad Gita and from the Upanishads. You know, it's cool. But to me, like it it really helped me. I was in that space. Now that I'm out of that space and I'm trying to integrate, you know, these new experiences and grow in my own way. To me, it's almost like the Bhagavad Gita. Like if you were to live your life by that, it's almost like you're, you're living your life by somebody else's program, you know, like somebody else is prescribing this life to you and it doesn't really work for everybody. Not knocking on the Bhagavad Gita. No, no. I'm a firm believer too, though. Like what you're saying that you can write a book or have a pathway or whatever. And just like you, like I take pieces of all these other things to find like what fits for me. Yeah. I say the one thing that I'm, I'm pretty consistent about, I'm still reading it every day. It has like a different verse or phrase or topic or whatever. It's called the book of awakening by Mark Nepo spelled N E P O. Okay. Apparently he, he underwent some pretty serious traumatic things in his life when he, when he had cancer, he wrote the, um, I think during and like right after his, uh, his bout with cancer that he had, it's got a for, for every day. So they're, they're just short. And then at the end of each one, there's like a practice, like a meditative practice to kind of integrate these lessons that he's trying to come across with us with this book. So I like it, you know, sometimes the things I read resonate with me as I read it in the morning and sometimes I read it in the evening. And especially if I read it in the evening, I can kind of see almost like, oh, wow, that was, that was meant for today. Wish I'd have read this in the morning. It might've saved me a little bit of grief or or heartache, you know, at some point throughout the day. Um, That one's a good one. The Book of Awakening. Right. And I also like to ask if there's something that you're reading or listening to or watching right now that is resonating with you. No, I don't want to say I struggle, but I kind of go back and forth on the pendulum of being full of what I am ingesting through all of my senses. Lately, I'll find myself like at the end of the night, you know, we sit down for dinner and we want to just kind of like decompress for an hour or so. And we'll just be like kind of scrolling Netflix or scrolling Hulu or whatever we're watching at that time. And like nothing's resonating to us because a lot of it has like negative images or negative, you know, plots. And just when we started on this spiritual journey, subscribe to uh, Gaia channel. I want to say it was Gaia, G-A-I-A. And that was really good. That had a lot of programming about documentaries, interviews with people in the spiritual world and even like doctors and scientists and stuff like that. So I ask those questions because I, t- I talk about this, I think, in every podcast right now. It's, it's, it keeps coming up. But the the whole reason behind why I wanted to do this when I was looking into how do you start a podcast and they tell you, get really serious about who your listener is, you know, so that you can visualize them so that when you're having each conversation, it's really easy to make sure that they're geared towards who your listener is. And it's super simple for me because it's me. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I always want to know what people are reading, what they're listening to, what they're watching. And right now, I the last time I watched a TV show was... It's, it's been at least a year. 
I just, I don't watch a lot of television. And the last time I did was when we were, while we were full-time RV traveling and we were stuck up, I was stuck. I was stuck in Maine. I couldn't leave the RV because there is a brown-tailed moth up there that has toxic hairs. The caterpillars have these, well, the moths do too, but the caterpillar hairs are extremely toxic and they shed them into the environment and they stay in the environment for up to three years. And they had an infestation while we were up there. And if it touches anybody, it touches, it'll create a rash and stuff. But I ended up being allergic, not just having a reaction, but actually allergic. And then it moved into an anaphylactic allergy. Wow. And so we actually ended when, when I woke up one morning, even though I had not left the RV and I was staying, you know, we were being extremely cautious about, and the reason we stayed there is because Corey was doing really well in that area where we were, you know, he's had been working through some PTSD and stuff that had been triggered and he was just doing so well while we were up there. And Rory was seeing a therapist while we were there that was just really phenomenal. It was green therapy. So they were outdoors on a farm doing therapy while he was engaging in an outdoor environment. It was really positive for him. And, you know, as a parent, we do almost anything for our kids. So I was basically like shut in in the RV for a couple of weeks while we, it was about a month actually, while we were trying to make that space still work. But then I woke up one morning and my lip and my tongue had swollen up. And that's when we knew we couldn't risk it anymore. (laughs) Wow. Why was I telling you this? We were talking about books or movies or shows that. Oh yeah. So I needed escapism. I 100% knew that it was for escapism. And the reason I bring that up is because when it's intense, intentional and you go into it looking like for me, like if I'm intentionally saying, okay, I just want to escape. Like sometimes I pick a quick book to read because I know that I just want a complete escape from reality. When I watch a movie and my friends know this, like if we're going to watch a movie for a friend's night. If it has an unhappy ending, do not invite me to watch the movie. <laughs> like some people are like, I, I just like the emotional journey. No, don't take me on the emotional journey unless there's a happy resolution. Cause if I'm looking for escapism, I want the happy. I used to like to watch like scary movies and thrillers and stuff like that. And she's like, if you're going to watch something like this, you better have something happy planned afterwards, you know, because I just can't end on that kind of note. And like now I just, I can't even really like get into those. That's why like whenever we do watch movies, it's usually like Marvel, like superhero movies or something, because I mean, those almost always have a happy ending. You it's know, just like complete escapism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fantasy world. And yeah. yeah. The last movie I watched in a theater was Knives Out. Oh. And prior to that, I think it was um, The Princess and the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> like it had been that yeah. long. <laughs> I don't know if you know this actually, but for 12 years, I had a panic disorder. It was very hard for me to leave my home and do things. And so if I was going to invest any kind of energy into an activity that was going to push me into either having to take a lot of medication, I had to take my service dog with me for seven of those years, all of that stuff. Like it really had to be something that was worth all of the investment I was going to have to put into it. What's fascinating about that is it really retrained my brain so that now as I'm moving through life and I don't have the panic disorder anymore, I still assess everything from the framework is what I'm going to get out of this worth the time and energy and effort that I am going to expend to make it happen Mm -hmm. and for recovery after. Yeah. It's something that Kat has learned recently. I think I remind her of it all the time. And this in turn, I'm reminding myself it's the, like a phrase, like a, if it's not a hell yeah, then it's the hell no. Like I like that 100%. If it's not something that you are super thrilled wanting to do, then it's a hell no. Like, and that, that involves, 
like your personal life and your 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 social life and your business life. I think that's a, that's a fun one to kind of rattle around in my head every once in a while. Yeah, I live. I try to go by um, when Corey and I first got married. I would cook for him. Like I spent a couple of months making brownies every couple of days, trying to find brownies were his favorite dessert, and I wanted the perfect brownie. <laughs> and so I spent all this time and I would make, sometimes I'd make three batches in one day so that we could really test which of the three were the right one. And then I'd send them with him to work because the guys in his shop loved, loved brownie day. <laughs> but I would say, what do you think of this one? He'd be like, it's good. You know, and like the vocabulary, like it wasn't resonating with me. I didn't know. What do you mean by that? And so finally I started to, okay, look on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. One being like, oh, I can't imagine that you fed that to me and I'm going to puke my guts out. Where does that fall? And what's been interesting is, is that we've now we, then when we were like trying to plan an activity to go on a date or something, we started finding that we were going and doing things that neither of us really wanted to do, but because someone has suggested it, thrown it out as an idea because there wasn't real communication around it. You know, we were doing things that maybe we didn't love doing. And so we started using the scale of one to 10 on everything. And now because of that, I look at my life and my, my goal in life is to live somewhere between that seven to 10 range average. Mm -hmm. Cause there's, there's days that are going to be a two or a one or situations and things that we're going to find ourselves in. But my, my goal is to land in that seven to 10 space for the most part, because then if I'm finding myself like emotionally at a four or five on a consistent basis, then I know that there's something that I need to examine so that I can move myself back into that seven to 10 space of life satisfaction. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It helps, yeah. it helps me stay on track with intentional living and being authentic to myself and the life experiences I want to have. Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's that's a great practice. Um, do you have anything else that you're feeling you'd like to share with us today? Yes. Something that has been kind of rattling around in my brain here for the past few minutes has been, I feel like I'm in a very fortunate situation having a partner to share this life with who has the same intentions with her life as I do. And it's to, to learn and to grow and to live the best life possible. I, I'm very grateful that I have cat in my life. We like to say that we kind of play leapfrog with each other as far as like our spirituality goes. Like right now she's learning so much. Like she is in this course where she's learning how to be, you know, a, a better businesswoman and, and a more conscious creator. I kind of get to sit in with like her meetings that she has. And, and then we talk about stuff all the time. And it, it's just a, this leapfrog effect. I know that like, if there's a, a time in my life where I need to be more inward, I need to go inward. I can rely on her to help give me like these, this outside stimulation for it and, and learn more about myself. And then that those roles tend to reverse. Like after, after she's exhausted that side of her and I've exhausted this part of me, then I start to look more outward and I start to like read books or, or you know, have conversations with people that spark interest. And I'm able to share that with her. And then she's able to internalize it and learn and grow from what I've taught her. So um, having a partner to, to leapfrog this life with and to help each other learn and grow and pull each other up has been super, super beneficial. 
And I honestly, like, it's kind of, it boggles me that there are people who are living in a very good, balanced, intentional life without a partner. You know, like, I'm like, I just wonder, I'm like, how are they doing it? Like, are they just constantly reading and constantly like integrating and interpreting? Or, you know, did they come into this life a little bit more ahead of us on this, you know, on the spiritual path? They're that much further up the mountain than we are. And they don't need necessarily need another person to help them. But like for anybody, out there who is wanting to make a change in their life. They're called to make a change in their life, but they're afraid maybe to do it because of the life that they have with their partner. And then maybe they don't think that their partner is going to um, receive this, this change that they're wanting to make. I want to help. I want to help those people. And I want to help them learn how to cultivate this new communication with their partner, cultivate communicating from a place of love and authenticity will always, maybe not always, but most of the time that will reciprocate onto you from the person who you you are talking with. I would love to get on here with you and with Kat, you know, with having us together. It's something that has come up for us a lot recently. Like we sit on the back porch and we just have these talks where we are just bouncing these ideas and like these, these lessons and this, these like, you know, methods of growth, you know, bouncing it off of each other. They just, they flow so organically. Well, and you you and Kat are in this really beautiful space where you have done a lot of work around self-growth and you're in a space of expansion. There are certain people that when they do that kind of work and they're in that space of expansion, they are called to be healers for other people to help them understand how to move into that space. And Kat and I were talking about, uh, and I've talked to you about too, like I wanted her on here. I wanted you on here. And then I do, I absolutely do want to bring both of you on here because I think that the two of you have a beautiful gift. Thank you. That whole building block for starting that is being safe to be vulnerable with your partner in all areas of your life. Like you can't be, your partner can't allow you to be vulnerable in this way, but not to be vulnerable in another way. You have to really kind of open up. And then me, uh, you know, being that masculine role, most of our relationship, when these roles were reversed, it was just, again, it was like a huge eye opener. I found myself a lot of the time saying that I get it now. I understand why you could have possibly felt that way in this situation. Cause now that I'm seeing it, like I'm literally like walking in your shoes and we don't, you know, everybody doesn't always get the opportunity to do that. I say like, you want to be like, as empathetic as possible, everybody's story is different and you can't possibly understand everything that a person in their life. So you can't 100% be fully empathetic, but if you can find some common ground and build off of that, it just, it makes a huge difference. And again, for those people who are in a relationship who don't have, or feel like they don't have a partner who is open to helping them change and facilitating a a different lifestyle, I'd love to be able to, to talk to them you know, and just and where, know. where do you, would you like people to reach out to you, David? My Instagram handle is dwharmon83. Emails, code-creator at soulharmonyfest.com. Those are, I think those are good, good ways to, to contact us. I just started to like record like my mountain biking trip. It's, it's, it's funny, like not being a master at any one thing, but trying to like cultivate all these different skills. It's something that I've done like my whole life. And I've always felt like uh, like a step behind those who have like mastered them, like this one aspect. That all comes with meeting yourself where you are, not comparing yourself to others. Right. And uh, I think people and Kat thinks that uh, there's other people out there who would like to maybe be a part of that journey as yeah. well. Just yeah. to reaffirm that 
you, you, you know, all the stuff that we see on social media and you don't have to be as perfect as, as these people seem to be. You know, that's, that's a highlight yeah. reel. Like we have to recognize that is always a highlight. Reel. Exactly. Yeah. That is just one as close to perfect moment as possible captured for that one split second. There's no way of knowing how many fails they had before they got there. You yeah. Know, showing up for people and, and sharing these yeah. This journey. Well, and I think it's, it's, I'm one of those people too, that's like a kind of a jack of all trade dabbler in everything master of none. Cause I'm going into my forties now and I'm entering this space where all of those things that I've been interested in and done something with are starting to come together into a cohesiveness that at the time I never, I couldn't see or understand like, like this podcast, the fact that I have done a bunch of these different things. And over the years, I've met all of these different fascinating people that are involved in all of these different things. And now I'm bringing it all together into a conversation that will hopefully help touch someone's life. And because I tried a bunch of different things, I'm in a position where I can be a facilitator for conversation. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's I, I resonate with that 100% because I can see things on my horizon that are going to do that for me. They're going to allow yeah. me like one space to kind of like, like, like put like all of my skills to, to use, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they I'm call excited. It the, the Renaissance. I, I was seeing something where they like, it's like a Renaissance person, like the people that tried a whole bunch of different things. And then it opens up this new era of art or growth or that, you know, and I yeah. thought it was really cool. I'm like, yeah, I'll be a Renaissance woman. Hell yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. This has been awesome. And I really appreciate you joining me and doing this with me today. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for creating this platform and doing what you've been called to do. It's awesome. I have always enjoyed our conversations. I hope other people get as much out of it as I do. And even if they don't, I know I'm walking away from this a better person. That's wonderful. I feel the same. Yeah. I'm excited too. I'm excited. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Whew. This life is packed.